This is Carol Steves, and you're listening to Reality Ranch Podcast. Today is Friday, June 26th, 2020. Today, my interview is with fellow FIGU Colorado Interest Group member, Rem Robinson. Rem has been acquainted with billing and the mission since 2007. He is an artist, and many may be familiar with his pencil drawings of Billy and other core group members. Rem lives in Boulder, Colorado, and can be seen painting murals from time to time all over the country. Um, I mean, I was, I was in the middle of college, like... Mm-hmm. I wasn't even, I wasn't even really looking for it. It was kind of, it was bizarre, but at the same time, I, I felt like, um, but you were open. Yeah. So there's a, there's a funny story that I have. that's that I think of sometimes it's, it relates back to when I was, when I was a, a little kid and I've talked to Daniel about this, um, as well. And, and he can relate cause he had a similar experience, but I was, I was really little, maybe, well, seven, six or seven years old, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And I just remember being at the end of my driveway and looking up at, it was, in the, it was a nice summer day, looking up into the trees and just having this like hit. It was like an inspiration where I felt like, I felt like I was telling myself like, or being told that like, Oh, you, you are going to have a very interesting life in this in this lifetime, mm-hmm. and that stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Like for for years and years, I thought like I thought back to that moment, like, and I pursued all these different things and had all these interesting experiences and like gained skills and whatever. And I thought, oh well maybe this is it. Maybe this is why it's going to be interesting. Maybe this is it. And then when I found the case, then I, then I knew that I didn't really know. Mm -hmm. Right. But I had this strong, the strongest feeling that like that could, it could relate back to that time that I, Mm -hmm. and I, part of me still wonders, was that like just coming out of my own head or was it coming from uh, an outside source of some kind, you know, I'd like to reserve judgment you, and just say, what do you mean an outside source? Like an impulse of some kind from the play are in, I kind oh. of doubt that, oh, I see. you know, I see. but I, that's definitely, it's crossed my head a, a number of crossed my mind a number of times where it's like, maybe, you know, especially when I first found out about the case, I was more inclined to think that it was like a play are in, impulse or something mm-hmm. but now i i kind of like to not say that Speculate, because it, yeah. that's pro yeah it's there's it's better to better to go on the other side of of that you know with the the whole mission thing like i feel like i would like to do my part to help it in the in the best way that i can and also integrate that into what I do as an artist gently and, and, and also learn from it. Right. 
Pigu has uh, sent out a series of contact reports to all of the different uh, Pigu-related groups as they've been translated. And this is from contact 732. Rules that should be followed. As before, any unnecessary risk of infection should be consistently avoided which means that all necessary travel for the purpose of vacation and pleasure and so forth should be avoided, and in this regard, planes, ships, mass transport, and crowds of all kinds should be avoided whenever possible. The motto for health and safety is better to stay at home and avoid contacts to the outside as well as not to organize any family events such as birthday parties and so forth, than to expose oneself to the risk of infection or in the case of an already existing infection, to rampantly spread it, that is to say the virus in the area, and thus randomly affect other human beings. And um, there's some recommendations. um, How can one's own immune system be best supported? Can vitamin C prevent infections and diseases, and can immunity arise after a recovery from the coronavirus disease? Only taking additional vitamin C is not enough to keep one's own immune system sufficiently active. Basically, a healthy diet providing energy and power and one's good health are essential for strengthening and supporting the immune system. In addition to vitamin C, other vitamins and trace mineral elements as well as minerals are essential, for example, zinc, vitamin B12, vitamin E, and so forth. That means various vital substances. It may therefore be advised, depending on one's diet, in addition to a healthy and careful diet, to take a good multivitamin preparation or individual necessary substances regularly. Indeed, at least twice the dosage recommended by the manufacturers. Unfortunately, all substances, uh, all supplements available on the free market are severely underdosed, which is also known to us because also in this respect we make an effort to come to cognitions. According to our knowledge, a doubly increased dosage of a multivitamin preparation is usually not only harmless, but also advisable for a terrestrial human being who does not get enough vital substances through his or her normal diet. It is not possible to prevent an infection by a virus by taking vitamin C and multivitamin preparations, even if the immune system and various organs and body functions are strengthened by such preparations. In principle, an infection by viruses, bacteria, and many other microorganisms can only be avoided through certain precautionary rules, measures, and behaviors, and a strict compliance with them. Fundamentally, even the strongest immune system can fail, namely when it is attacked by dangerous pathogens that trigger a shock effect and paralyze the whole system, which again corresponds to a fact that is just as known to all terrestrial medical sciences as is the fact that certain human beings, in certain human beings, a recovery of their organism with regard to the coronavirus can occur but no immunity arises because a coma impulse develops that persists regardless of the recovery, where through the disease can renew itself 
which however does not correspond to a reactivation but a disease progression from the impulse coma. So where are you off to? My grandma's funeral and like big, big family reunion kind of coinciding with that. Oh, so you guys are, um, you're all getting together in spite of the COVID issues. Wow. Yeah. I didn't think it was a good idea, but that's, it's apparently it's still, still going on. My mom's got six, six brothers and sister, or she's one of six rather. And each one, each one of them have kids and then some of them have multiple children. So I think it's going to be at least 50 people. Um, okay. Well, that's interesting because that, you know, I was going to ask you since you went to Mexico and I was going to ask you about getting stuck there and everything for the podcast. Oh yeah. And, um, so you, you don't really think this is that serious that I take it. No, I, the, the I, I, I think it's as serious as, as it is. Um, but I mean, I just, I'm just getting your point of view. This is just, you know, I'm just asking you there's, I'm Rem, there's no right or wrong answer. This is just me asking you what I think. I mean, I try to understand, I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think, I think it's serious, but I, I think, it's I, I sort of think it's not as serious as a lot of people are making it out to be, or I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. And I think a lot, not obviously I've been, I've been keeping up with the contact reports and, and all that information. Um, right. Well, and then, uh, then what do you, <clears throat> that's interesting. So you've been keeping up with the contact reports, but you think there's a lot of misinformation out there. So what do you think I, is um, misinformation? Well, I just I just see people, I just see people wearing masks out out in the open and out in nature when there's no there's nothing around and nobody around and and then I also see people wearing not well, very much pro, not very much protection or not or nothing at all when they're in close proximity with other people. Yeah, there's. That's true. <laughs> there I don't is, understand. I, 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 I don't understand why people are, you know, what the what the thing, what it's all about with why people think that that's okay. I'm I'm still keeping my distance from from people, um, but I, at the same time, I am like out in the world more. I'm not. I'm not just in my in my house, you know. Right. So you you see you see that. So you think that there's a misunderstanding about the mask wearing, which there is, but so if you, if you know that people should be wearing masks, okay, let me ask you this. So do you think as long as you wear a mask, you can just go, you can, you're able to go wherever you want to go. Is that what you're doing or explain? Well, I don't, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm confused. 
by your point of view. I, I thought we would could talk about this since you're a FIGU member and you traveled during all this. And I was going to ask you what realizations you had, but it kind of sounds like you're right where you were when you left. Well, I mean, I, and that, I, I mean, that just does, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just, I, I know that it's probably going to get worse or not probably, right? Well, it is getting worse right now. You know that probably. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I've seen that the numbers are going up. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but everybody, I like pretty much everybody I know mm -hmm. is, uh, on the other side of it where it's like, Oh, it's, it's not, it's, it, you know, of course it's not the flu, but it's, it's about there. Most of the people that I interact with are of the opinion that it's, that it's twice as bad as the flu, but that's still not as bad as it could be. Well, as, like yeah, if it was like, there's always degrees of illness, right? Yeah. I mean, seriousness, Maybe maybe it's not as bad for them unless they get it and they're permanently disabled from it because you know that's happening, right? Yeah, I have heard of it at least, yeah. And it's happening a lot, actually. And um, so, um, so I'm not asking you what other people think. I'm asking you what you think, what you think about it. Doesn't... I mean, I, th I think it's, as far as what I think, I think it's for <laughs> it, people who have compromised immune systems, um, which also includes a lot of older people. I think that it's, it seems definitely the case where that those people <clears throat> are more at risk, um, and should be, should be staying, keeping away as much as they can. Um, I'm taking the precautions that I can, um, but I also have other things that I have to do that involve um, being being out. Right. But I'm not. I'm not. I'm not out like mingling with, amongst like a lot of people. I'm just with my with my friend Jason. Usually, just painting a mural. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people a... that are out working, um, yeah. but keeping their their distance. So. Yeah. So do you wear a mask when you're um, out in public? There? I do. Yeah. And um, so then the people that your, that your relatives that are all getting together, aren't some of them older? Yes, they are. And so they're going to be taking the risk of contracting this right by going to this reunion exactly and you are putting them at risk by traveling there possibly bringing it with you that's correct yeah, yeah. so yeah. i'm saying this in a neutral way i'm just uh um you know because this podcast is about reality mm -hmm. <laughs> That's why it's called Reality Ranch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so um, what? So, 
you know, they're the the play iron are saying that it's quite serious and they're telling people that they should that all of the different countries um that the things that they have in place aren't even enough. I think that's absolutely right. Yeah. Okay. And so um I'm just trying to <laughs> I'm just trying to um understand then um help me understand that you know it's that serious but you're willing to travel and be around 50 other people from all over right well i think they're kind of they're kind of from all over but uh some of let's see yes south carolina and north carolina and then most of the rest of them are from ohio right but you have no control over what they do to protect themselves if, if they are at all and you have no control over what they what exposure they're getting on their way there and so as you know that i mean maybe you know maybe you don't know this you told me you've done a lot of reading but a lot of times there are outbreaks when family get-togethers happen like this mm-hmm. and then a bunch of people get sick um i have not read everything but that makes that makes sense i don't i don't know if i've read that but i mean that yeah seems logical yeah, yeah. well yeah it doesn't matter if it's a family gathering or a church gathering or a you know a bunch of people getting together for a big meeting or whatever um that everyone's putting each other at risk so it's not just you but you're also putting other people at risk so did you see the contact where Pataha talked about, thanked everyone for following the protocols? Yeah, I did. What did you think of that? Well, I thought that I I didn't read the whole thing because I think I I think I had to stop reading because of something else that was happening. But um, okay. I mean, but- I thought it was nice that he thanked everybody, but yeah. But what? But I didn't get to read the whole thing. Oh, okay. That's what your butt is. Okay. I'm yeah. not sure. I thought maybe there was a caveat there. You know, some people have comp- compromised immune systems and they don't even know it. That's one of the problems. Oh, right. I guess so. In fact, there, there was something on Chris Martinson today. And I was, going to, um, I was going to reference it so I can look it up. But he was he's a guy who's an athlete. And um, he... Um, contracted COVID and he is still ill. He has has phantom pains in one of his legs and they can't find out, figure out why. So he's having to have physical therapy and he has some other health problems also, ongoing health problems. So, you know, the player and have explained they don't even understand completely this disease, which blows my mind because look at how far advanced they are. They said they have never seen anything like this. I mean, you know, like yesterday, I look at the the worldometer chart and just known there were 863 deaths in the U.S. yesterday from COVID. Mm -hmm. There were 36,000 new cases. And there are officially by, you know, Earth standards, Earth count, there are 9 million, almost 
95 million cases recorded. Now, is that the uh, the website that you were looking at? Is that yeah. the one that Figu Figu Canada put up on as a link? I have no idea. Oh, it okay. Prob- it probably is, but uh, it's Worldometer. I don't know if that's the same one or not, but uh, I I think the one that they put up on their website was set by set up by like a high school guy, and I think it's like a black skin, like a black background. Oh I no, say. I don't. Yeah, um, this isn't the same one. I'm, hmm. But this is the one that is used um, that's most commonly known. Okay. And it's the one that um, Chris Martin Chris Martinson uses. You know, you're familiar with who he is, aren't you? you know I, actually, no. Oh, yeah. Okay, so if you if you want a really good read on what's going on, he's a PhD in pathology, and he has a um, YouTube channel called Peak Prosperity, and um, he has done a very good job of presenting reality. And he. This news article was mentioned on Chris Martinson's Peak Prosperity YouTube channel on his episode. uh, He just released it a few days ago called uh, COVID-19, A New Mutation to Worry About. And this is from the Times of Israel. It's entitled, Recovered COVID-19 Patients Suffer Major Ongoing Physical Cognitive Problems. Memory loss, psychological issues, profound fatigue, phantom pain, along with lungs that won't heal, discovered months after recovery, even among those who had only mild symptoms. And the article goes on to uh, talk about uh, several patients, one in particular that I'm going to highlight, his name is Afig Suisa. 24, was one of Israel's youngest patients to be hospitalized and ventilated in serious condition. A resident of the southern port city of Ashdod, Suiza, was hospitalized at the end of March. He recently had been in the U.S. with two friends, touring in Miami and then Las Vegas. The three returned to the country and Suiza immediately went into home quarantine in accordance with health ministry guidelines but he quickly developed a fever that became worse and was hospitalized. Within days, his condition had deteriorated so much that he was put on a ventilator, which required sedation and the insertion of a breathing tube. He recently recovered and was discharged from the hospital last month, but since he has developed several issues, including phantom pains in one leg that require him to have physical therapy, The nerve pain in my foot is sending messages of pain to the brain, he said in the TV report Friday night. It causes me to limp because I feel there is a wound there, he said, even though there is no discernible injury. He also has an altered sense of taste. The 24-year-old, who was a healthy basketball player, also now has high blood pressure and and pulse rate and is on blood thinners that he might have to take his whole life. He also feels that he has had a change in personality. I have less patience with people, he said, adding that he now frequently gets upset and finds himself angry over trivial things. I raise my voice over things that are legitimate are not legitimate. I have to say there's very little I I disagree with 
that, that he says about this. And he's the one guy that um, called Fukushima right. He was calling it out for what it was when everybody else was saying, oh, it's steam. It's fine. You know, the, the reactor is fine. And he was saying, no, it's not. He was explaining exactly what was going on. So he's a very good investigative journalist and, and he has a medical background. So he has explained um, and done the research and he's got a lot of videos up. And the only thing I don't agree with that he says is he thinks that if everyone just wears masks, they can all go back to work. I mean, everything can go back to normal and you can go um, like well, the, the one thing he mentioned was going to restaurants. I'm like, well, I don't quite, he's a very logical guy, but I don't quite understand how it can be safe to eat in a restaurant when you got to take your mask off. I know <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I've seen, I, no, so, no. uh, so my friend, um, and his brother went to a restaurant in Boulder mm-hmm. and they walked in and they saw that nobody was wearing masks and they didn't have masks with them. And they're like, okay, I guess mm-hmm. we're just going to eat here. And they, the, the hostess was wearing a mask and she said, oh, you guys have to have masks. And they looked at each other like, oh, crap, I forgot. I didn't, I don't have my mask. Mm-hmm. And they look around, they say, but well, how come nobody else is wearing a mask? And she said, well, they can't have masks when they're eating. Um, but let me take you to your table. Just take this napkin and put it over your mouth. And then so they, they walked to the table with map, napkins over their mouths. And then they sat down at the table and she said, okay, now you can get rid of the napkin. Yeah, that's bizarre. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm just saying. It doesn't make any sense. And so I don't see how I would think eating in a restaurant is probably one of the most high risk things you can do. You know, because you're sitting in there and it's very hard, you know, for, because people are talking and, and yeah, I know they're, they've probably got the tables separated and stuff, but you've got people moving in and amongst, you know, waitresses going from table to table and, you know, you're sitting there eating and they're like, do you need anything? Right. And they talk and they don't have a mask on. It's bizarre to me. It's bizarre. I, to me, that just doesn't seem like something that should be happening yet. Just based on what I understand from all the research that not only, and, 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 you know, when I finally, Chris Martinson stuff started popping up back in February, when I was learning about this, I went, oh, he's on this. So I started watching his videos because I thought this guy usually has the, the real scoop going on. And he did. And he, so he was looking at what, what was happening and coming out of China also, just like I was, and I'm sure many other people. And um, so, you know, I, I I'm, I'm kind of, um, I'm kind of puzzled as to the virus isn't gone yet. Um, and yes, we all should be wearing masks. I agree with Chris on that. And it does help reduce the spread because, you know, droplets flying and all that. But, but we all know that the virus can go through the masks, right? I mean, you are aware of that. Of course. I mean, yeah. it's, uh, it, you don't need the contact reports to put that one together, right? If you are a logical-minded person and you're willing to look at what's what's happening, and you're and you because I knew this 
was serious. I knew it was bad before I ever saw a contract tech report. Now, was I waiting for one to come out? Because I was really curious of course. what the play iron would say. Oh, I absolutely was. But I didn't think I, they were going to come out with as much as they did. You know? Oh, well, it's very serious. That's why. Yeah. Well, now, in retrospect, I can understand. Mm-hmm. But when it was first happening, I was wondering, oh, I wonder if they're going to I wonder if they're going to talk about this at all. You know, they'll probably mention it. <laughs> this is an excerpt from Contact 737 that was provided to us, a translated version uh, from FIGU, about the maliciousness of the coronavirus and the actual threat that comes with from it. And I'm going to um, start in the middle. Um, Billy is uh, talking to Patah, and he says, um, However, what I learned about all these things from the translations by Spath during all these travels into the past was that none of the rapidly spreading diseases would have affected only certain age groups, as the virologists and their ilk nowadays claim namely that only old and elderly human beings and human beings with underlying health problems would be infected by the coronavirus. Patah, that does not correspond to the truth in any form because the mutating and genetically ever-changing coronavirus does not correspond to one that specifically targets a particular age group with human beings, but one that, as I explained last year, spreads to all human beings of all ages. As I have explained several times before, also in unborn babies, toddlers, older children, adolescents, and adults of all ages, including the oldest human beings, it attacks all their organs such as the lungs, kidneys, liver and spleen, the brain, the intestines, the stomach, as well as the pancreas and the heart. And under certain circumstances, there is also an uninhibited attacking activity on mammals of all genre and species, as well as various creatures and other life forms. This virus a perfidious kind, the like of which we have never come across before in our research, corresponds to something that will last for a long time and will no longer be eradicated because it has characteristics slash properties that allow it to continue to exist in a purely impulse-based form. This is also the reason that when certain infected ones recover from the rapidly spreading disease, and also create antibodies, and a virus can no longer be detected, the rapidly spreading disease nevertheless persists by means of impulses alone, indeed without being medically detectable. Therefore, it arises that because the virus continues to exist as impulse and remains active in this form, it therefore unexpectedly flares up again from the impulse dormant state and again in a new form, brings to bear its full activity and also the danger of infection can continue to exist. However, the whole thing does not correspond to a new outbreak, that is to say a reactivation, 
but only a hidden, further, open activity that breaks out from the hidden, impulse-based activity. Thus, the virus that is stored as an impulse strongly and openly remains active, which corresponds to a characteristic that I only know with this virus, as such a manifestation has never become known to me, and this impulse-based remaining active as well as the ability to continue to exist actively while dormant to then for some inexplicable reason suddenly become fully active again as well as infectious or otherwise disease causing again also corresponds to a phenomenon which we have not yet been able to research and therefore is still mysterious to us. Also to be mentioned about the whole thing is that in normal cases, as well as in special cases, the danger of an infection is always great and unpredictable, whereby an infection occurs, especially via speaking, because in this form the virus is transmitted from one human being to another, and this results from speaking as the expiratory droplets emitted while speaking are transmitted through the air to other human beings who thereby become infected. However, this can only be prevented by wearing suitable protective masks because these prevent the expulsion of breath and of the expiratory droplets into the open air, and thus they cannot be carried through the air. In this respect, however, such protective masks must be professionally and specifically made for this purpose and be made from suitable filter material. Consequently, it must be borne in mind that masks made of paper and of simple filterless materials, which are also homemade, are absolutely unusable and useless. Therefore, products of this kind are in no form suitable for protection. Rather, they lull the wearers of such products into a false sense of security. This applies equally to cheap or rejected industrial produced masks, as well as to visors, that is to say, face shields that do not hug, fit the face, and are open at the bottom and sides. The, wearing the masks, the paper, the paper masks that mm-hmm. are like open on the sides. And then like my mom yeah. was showing me her, her coworker who was wearing a face shield and no mask, just the clear face shield that's oh, three yeah. inches from her face. And it's like... I thought all of this stuff is, it's like, it's like trying to keep bugs out of your house by um, putting, putting a rope around your house and expecting not to get any bugs in your house. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think this whole thing has really shown a light on how, what people's values are, how effective their thinking is. And it's also shown how little they understand about science and how corrupt science has become. Of course, Mm -hmm. hasn't it always been actually how politicized it's become. So people actually think if you're wearing a mask, you're a liberal. And if you're not wearing a mask, you're a conservative. Oh, right. Didn't, didn't Donald Trump try to spin it and turn it around into something about him? Oh, well. I don't know. Probably. I heard I something about that recently where it's like oh, uh, people, know. people who are wearing masks are 
are um, going against him as a person or, or oh, maybe nice. it's the, the other way around or I, I don't know. I, I just heard it out of hearsay. I didn't actually read anything about it, but um, I think I that I don't know. I, I wouldn't be to... surprised for him to like make it about himself, you know? Yeah. And that, and that's possible. Um, and, and uh, so what was I going to say um, to that? Um, oh, so. Um, Politicizing. Oh yeah. A good example is I, I didn't realize, I mean, I knew it had been politicized, but I didn't realize, and I knew there was polarization going on and this is, I'm going back about a month. And, and I don't, I think maybe I told you this, maybe I didn't. So I may be repeating myself, but it kind of blew me away. I went to the only place I really go is the nursery, right. To get plants. Yeah, right. And I was at a nursery in Fort Collins and um, I was used to going to the one here in Loveland and they're very strict. And matter of fact, you must wear a mask. Everybody does. I saw them turn away a woman and her child for not wearing that. And just, they just said, Hey, you have to go get a mask, you know, you can't come in without it. You can be outside at the nursery, but you can't come in the greenhouse, right? Mm-hmm. So I went to a, a nursery in Fort Collins and um, I had my mask on. I, I wear even, um, you know, I make sure I have sunglasses, safety glasses or whatever on my eyes. Just they're not sealed, but it makes me feel better. Right. Yeah. It's probably pretty, pretty low risk there, but there's still people around, not a lot, but there are, but I saw uh, a particular family with none of them were wearing any masks and and uh, and I also had gloves on and I just stood there with my wagon of of plants waiting for them to pass at a reasonable distance so I could go not really thinking much about it just look at the looking at them just observing going oh they're not wearing masks or anything huh interesting and they sneered at me now they couldn't there's no way they could have seen my expression I had sunglasses on and a mask a sun hat you couldn't even tell who I was, you know what I mean? But they were judging me for being protected and protecting myself, them from me, because I don't know, you know, because we know how long that people can carry the coronavirus for three months asymptomatic, which still isn't in the mainstream media. Um, I am very aware that I don't want to, if I'm carrying it, give it to somebody else. So I was kind of stunned by that. I was like, really? And I could feel the antipathy rolling off of them toward me, except for the mom. She was kind of walking behind the group. It was a, a, a dad and, and, and a son. And it looked like it was either a daughter and her boyfriend or the son and his girlfriend and the mother. And it was the, the son and the, the young people that were more, had the negative attitude toward me, right? Yeah. And the mom just kind of hung her head and, you know, had her lips pressed together and walked behind them. Like she she didn't have a mask on though. So, you know, it looked like she, maybe she might be, maybe had some ambiguous feelings, but who knows? And um, so I went up to the register. I was kind of surprised because everywhere I'd been, everyone said you needed to wear a mask. And there was a big sign by the register. We follow CDC guidelines. You must wear a mask to be in, in the greenhouse and so she was the the girl at the desk was was checking them out you know checking out their their plants you know helping them bundle them up and everything and she had a mask on of course and I came up and I said um I noticed you have a big sign that says you must wear a mask you must wear a mask but the people 
ahead of me didn't have masks on. She said, oh, well, people just get so upset if you make them wear a mask. <laughs> so they were afraid to enforce it. And yeah. I was, wow. And, and I thought, well, considering their attitude toward me, I, and I, but they need to, there needs to be some bravery there. You know, that's some courage is needed. I think it's, they're in a tough place though, because they're, they're a business and they also want their, those people's business and they're, yeah, they don't want to turn people away. Courage you know? is needed. Courage yeah. is needed. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't agree. Courage is needed. I'm not going to say I'll make all these excuses for um, the fact that they need business when, all, when, you know, I was right there in the nursery in, in Loveland and they just, they just respectfully enforced it. And you know what? I didn't see people stomping away angry. No, I saw the mother leave and, and, and was a little embarrassed. Now have they probably had some instances of people getting angry but they're just showing self-responsibility by and responsibility to their other to their customers and their and their employees by protecting themselves. And so, yeah, it's easy to get this all muddled in our heads um, because it's so inconvenient. You know, mm -hmm. and, 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 to, and to rationalize. And I think that's a it's a big test of of um, our thinking. This whole virus situation is a really big test in our thinking yeah. because you it know I, I would love for things to be back to normal i i wanted to travel to switzerland this summer me too but that's not happening and no. and uh we would have liked to got have gone up to yellowstone park but we're not doing that either i mean we could but we're not going to yeah so um, yeah. So, um, yeah, interesting. I just was kind of wondering, um, so tell me briefly about your, your trip to Mexico, how that all went down. And so we, we, we got down there in, uh, the beginning of March when everything was escalating more and more. Mm -hmm. And, um, we ended up just, we just ended up going and um, I was trying to kind of keep my distance from people. And, but at some point you, it's hard to in a way, but I think Mexico was probably, well, officially, I think they were, I think the official numbers say that they were spared uh, and, and it took more time for it the virus to get there, but I'm sure that's probably not true. Um, but as far as I know that we're the place where we were, um, didn't have very many cases at in San Miguel de Allende, but I'm sure mm -hmm. that I'm sure they did have some, but everything was kind of carrying on as usual when we first got down there in the beginning of March. Um, and some places were starting to, to close. And then within a week, from the time we got there to a week later, everything was, a lot of places were closed. Most places were closed and there were a, a lot less people milling around than there were the first few days even. Um, and then we got out of there and we went down to near uh, Puerto Escondido, which is in Southern Oaxaca. And most of the places were closed down there and we were kind of keeping our distance away from 
most people anyway. Um, but yeah, we ended up, our flight got canceled. And then, so we decided we were, th we were thinking we we're going to take a day trip to a small town called Mazunte because it was, um, supposed to be kind of a cool place. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it was, there was less people there and it was further, it was just more removed. And so we since thought, okay, well, since our flights canceled, we're just going to go over there and book an Airbnb because, uh, it's just, it's just going to be safer. And I think it's going to be nicer even too. And, um, and then we ended up getting stuck there for over two months. It was like nine weeks. Um, so this, this is the place you were traveling to. Um, so just, just take a few a day days. Trip. Yeah. It was at first it was going to be a day trip and then, and then our next flight got canceled and then we thought we're going to take five days there until our next flight, which is scheduled. And then that flight also got canceled. And then, so we're like, just, okay, we're, we're going to stay here for as long as we need to. Um, we had kind of an off grid, off grid house, um, which was away from the beach and it was away from everybody else. And there were still some people like hanging out on the beach and like, passing joints or like juggling and there was a there's a circus town there too like or there's a circus school so people would be like juggling stuff i'm like why, why are people juggling they're like it's like you're passing the virus back and forth on the juggling sticks and whatever yeah so um we uh well that's pretty minor um compared to traveling around though isn't it well yeah I think so. Yeah. Well, well, think about it. it's all perspective, Rem. Yeah. So if two people are um, passing, you know, juggling sticks back and forth. Yeah, they're they are they're risking, you know, between themselves, and then they may take it back somewhere to someone else. And they are, but but traveling is one of the riskiest things you can do with this. Mm -hmm. That's why the number one uh, thing that. Uh, needed to happen was the countries needed to close their borders i mean the the it's it's just common sense but the player and back this up that things needed to be shut down so that no movement was happening because that's how you pass the virus and uh, that's how you pass any disease right and so that's mm -hmm. why when they had the pandemic of 19 um 18 18 yeah i almost said 13 but i knew that wasn't right um, they, they had to do the same thing. So it's, you know, uh, kind of interesting. Um, that's why I said it reminds me of the, the people think about this the way they think about feng shui. You know, it's uh, that logic needs to stay in place so that you can see everything really clearly and know and understand what the risks are um, and not be not. Um, you know, rationalize it so that you can go, well, this isn't so bad because I want to do it. Yeah. I think the, uh, the whole, the whole trip, ultimately the, the reason we ended up doing it, I think is because of peer pressure. Um, because we couldn't, it, the whole reason for the trip was because my partners, uh, she had a, a gig down there mm -hmm. and she, and then they, there was peer pressure amongst the people in the, um, 
it was a, it was a, in the tango community, the ta- tango dancing, which is, mm-hmm. of you know, of course, that's not a smart thing to be doing either during no. anything like this. You're Absolutely right up, not. Right no. up next to somebody, and then you're switching partners throughout the night, dancing. Yes, and they're but, breathing hard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like singing in a choir, kind of. Only and they're worse. coming, and they're coming from all over, right? Yes, yes. Um, and uh, but it, I think it was because of peer pressure that this festival was still taking place and they, they couldn't back down for, for a number of reasons and cancel it, which I don't well, know what they were. But uh, Well, and also from what you told me, your partner didn't really think the virus was that serious. No. Yeah. So exactly. So, I mean, she thought it was, you know, when people, she, when she thinks that when people get it, it's serious, but she thought that the transmission and the numbers were not, didn't seem didn't seem as serious as it probably is. Right. Yeah. Well, I always, you know, I, I saw the disparity between the numbers they were like China was putting out and yet Mm -hmm. the lockdown, the draconian measures, as they like to say, you know, they love that word draconian measures they were taking to shut their country down. And I went, wait a minute, we live in a world where I'm, you know, I had to, think it through and go, well, we live in a world where money is the ultimate. Exactly. It's all about money. And so for a country to shut down their borders and shut down their cities and lose all that money and put their, their um, economy at risk, I knew that this was serious and that I thought, don't they understand though? I mean, talk about living in la la land Mm. Um, that the Chinese government wasn't thinking that, you know, they're putting out these, these uh, fake numbers and they're shutting down their country. And didn't they understand that, you know, if someone wasn't logical, they may have thought they were crazy. Yeah. But they had lost their minds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I thought, well, I know that isn't the case, not, not where this is concerned. And when I saw, you know, all the different um, investigative reports that were going on and how the morgues were running, the crematoriums were running 24 hours a day and just, you know, the, the, aerial photos of the burial, you know, sites and everything. I went, wow, this is, you know, and I just kept digging because you, you got to make sure what you're looking at is real. Right. Mm-hmm. We know we live in a, a time of where any kind of illusion can be created. So it takes a lot of, but you got to use your common sense. And, and uh, so I saw that this was something that was very serious and I could tell because money talks, bullshit walks. You got to follow the money trail if you want the truth in yeah. on our planet. And as you say, watch what people do. Not yeah, what not say. what they say. Exactly. If you're ever puzzled, watch what they do. Yeah. And that'll usually tell you what's really going on. And uh, so anyway. So anyway, um, yeah. It, um, I think so. We we ended up getting down there. I was hesitant to go in the first place, but I felt kind of peer pressured to go honestly. And, um, but I also, I also did want to go and I was, I was torn and ultimately for a little while I was split 50, 50, whether I wanted to go or not. And I ended up just, just going because it was just cause it was easier, you mm-hmm. know? And, mm-hmm. um, once I got there, I was like, okay, well that probably wasn't the smart the right thing to do, but now I'm here. 
and I just got to make the best of it. And, uh, and then we ended up getting stuck in that small town um, and they barricaded off the town for people to know people could leave or enter except for people who are delivering goods to the, just a few markets that were still open. Right. All, all of the stores and businesses were closed. Um, there was a coffee shop and a juice bar that were serving things to go and they were taking precautions and all the, well, all the three little markets that were open that where you could buy fruits, vegetables, and whatever else, they only allowed one person at a time. They made people wash their hands, wear a mask, do everything, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, actually for a while they weren't, they weren't making anybody wear masks, but. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. But, um, (laughs) but at the same time, um, the, the town was only 300 people. There had been no reported cases in the entire state um, of, of Oaxaca. And then I think halfway through my trip, some, at some point in like April or May, I want to say, then they started, then cases were starting to become reported in Oaxaca, but not any, not in our area. Um, right. And for all I know, there could have been a few infected people in our town but mm-hmm. they don't have the the money to be able to do the testing or the testing kits themselves. Right. I bet. So Well, we didn't have it. So no. the yeah. testing kits, you know. Of course, yeah. Which yeah. I've heard of I've heard are kind of painful actually to get tested. Um not that that has anything to do with anything, but probably just, being te- a lot like being tested for strep. Yeah. They shove the thing up into your nasal yeah, um cavity. Mm-hmm. But um so yeah, down there we ended up staying for nine weeks and um, right towards the end and the last like two or three weeks, we started making friends with people because we felt like, okay, well, everybody here has been here mm-hmm. without any, uh, any contact with the outside world. Right. So it become like a commune. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, we wanted, we kind of wanted to stay longer but we also had stuff that we had to do back home. And my first choice was that I wanted to rent a car and drive all the way, mm-hmm. even though it would have been probably 40 hours or I don't know how long it would have been, but from Southern Oaxaca back to Colorado is probably a pretty far drive. It is. Yeah. yeah. So, but we couldn't do that. We found out that all of the, like our town, there's a lot of other towns in Mexico that were blocked off uh, from people entering because they, every town in Mexico got its own, was able to make its own rules and ordinances based on what they deemed fit for the virus. And so most of them chose to not let people through. So um, we talked to the consulate and this woman there told us that you can't drive and there's no buses, which we didn't really want to take a bus anyway, even though the buses down there are nice, but we would have liked, I would have wanted to just drive. Um, But the only way out at that point was, was to uh to fly and i guess driving even could have come with its own problems too because you don't know if that if somebody's gonna stop you at a roadblock and rob you or who knows you know yeah yeah mexico that's it's kind of it can be dicey there yeah the town we were in was very safe um but and there was a, a big yoga community a lot of kombucha everywhere and you know mm-hmm. kind of like boulder but mm-hmm. um not not other parts of Mexico. So it turned out that the 
the best option, which was not a great option still was to fly. And the first flight that we were on, we were on three flights back. The first one had 13 people on a norm, normal size plane, like a 737 or similar size. And the second, and there were probably 20 people in the airport when we were there, or maybe 13, maybe it was the same amount of people that were on the plane. I think there was, yeah, because there was only one plane leaving per day. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the second flight from Dallas or Mexico City to Dallas was um, almost full. And then Dallas to Denver was full. And were people wearing masks? People, everybody was wearing masks, um, at least, you know. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, at, at least, the flight attendants were wearing masks. Yep, everybody was wearing masks. The flight attendants were wearing masks. Um, it was a it was a bizarre thing to be on a plane during this time because it's not something that I normally would have been doing. If I was on, if I was on my own, I wouldn't have been on a plane. Mm -hmm. um, but because I was with my partner, and yeah, um, but it was bizarre. They they kind of the only thing that they did differently was they gave you a plastic your plastic water bottle and your little snack in a in a bag okay uh, and so like, people had to take their masks down to drink and exactly and yeah. and in the on the on one of the flights they had each each middle seat was was open to keep social distancing but that doesn't really <laughs> do anything you know there's that feng shui thing again yeah yep <laughs> oh that's cracking me up i know that that is magical thinking yeah and then oh and, oh and the other thing the other thing that they did was they um they boarded they said they're they said we're gonna to keep up with social distancing we're gonna board by row so the first four rows at a time are gonna board they didn't even it wasn't even by row it was the, by four rows so well well thanks um for doing the interview with me i appreciate it okay okay right. yeah and i'd love love to do another one of these at some point oh, in the future oh, I'm, as well. I'm sure we will you know i have no doubt this concludes the 12th episode of reality ranch podcast i would like to wish rem and his family members a safe and healthy family reunion Rem and I have discussed the risks of the coronavirus in the past when he decided to travel to Mexico on vacation during the initial outbreak, and I appreciate his cooperation in this recorded conversation. I would also like to thank Christian Frenner, Vivian Legg, and Vibka Walder for their tireless efforts in providing the English-speaking people with the coronavirus information translations. I would also like to thank Billy and the Playarn for helping those of us who want to protect ourselves and others from this dangerous virus. You can find these contacts on the various FIGU-related sites, including our interest group site at coloradoforfigu.org. Thanks for listening, and Salome.